Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 Former President Donald Trump appeared at a hearing on Tuesday, June 13th in a historic criminal case stemming from allegations that he withheld top-secret government documents and tried to conceal them from investigators. The 45th president, who turned 77 on Wednesday, June 14th, arrived at Wilkie D. Ferguson Jr. U.S. Courthouse in Miami around 3 p.m., where he pled not guilty to 37 charges, including willful retention of national defense information. The case marks yet another turning point for Trump, who is currently a favorite candidate for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. The allegations are also the first time the Justice Department brought charges before a former president. Former President Donald Trump faced what could have been the most significant threat to his personal freedom and political career, but he approached it with the same confidence and resilience he displayed on the campaign trail. Instead of showing concern during court proceedings, Trump engaged in activities typical of his campaign days, acknowledging supporters, giving thumbs-up gestures, visiting popular eateries, seeking donations, and planning energetic speeches for his followers at his properties. The almost celebratory demeanor, in contrast to the solemnity usually associated with legal proceedings, revealed Trump's inclination to confront federal charges with the same bravado he employed against previous challenges to his business and candidacy. It allowed him to create an alternative reality in which he downplayed his deepening legal troubles and projected strength for his loyal supporters. However, according to John Kelly, his former chief of staff, Trump's seemingly fearless facade masks his underlying fear, Kelly stated. This is the way he compensates for that. He gives people the appearance he doesn't care by doing this. For the first time in his life, it looks like he's being held accountable. Up until this point in his life, it's like, I'm not going to pay you, take me to court. He's never been held accountable before. Trump, who pled, who pled not guilty in Miami on Tuesday to charges relating to the allegate, alleged possession and concealment of top secret documents in his Florida residence, is now facing the most significant legal battle of his life. Despite his previous brushes with the justice system, Trump and his campaign were determined to present a more defiant and optimistic front in stark contrast to his visibly despondent demeanor during his previous arraignment in New York, in New York State on charges stemming from a pre-2016 election hush money scheme. According to his advisors, Trump aimed to demonstrate readiness for a fight, avoiding a downtrodden and gloomy appearance he had exhibited during his previous court appearance. These advisors, speaking on the condition of anonymity to discuss private interactions, have revealed that few things bother Trump more than media reports highlighting his sour and unpredictable moods. In a right-wing radio interview on the eve of his arraignment, when asked about his mood, Trump responded with a nonchalant, it's fine. The host, Howie Carr, concluded that he sounded in high spirits, to which Trump affirmed, I am. I'm just fighting for the country. Number two. In a reversal of Trump-era directive, the Biden administration announced on Tuesday, June 13th, that it will allow thousands of immigrants from El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Nepal who are living in the United States under temporary protected status to renew their work permits for an additional 18 months. This decision by Homeland Sec Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas aims to maintain humanitarian protections for over 330,000 individuals 
from these four countries, granting them permission to reside and work in the United States until 2025. The announcement brought relief to immigrants under the, quote, temporary protected status designation as their protections will be extended. However, some individuals expressed disappointment that the safeguards continue to apply only to those who arrived in the country years ago. They had hoped that the Biden administration would expand the designation to include more recent arrivals as well. Kerry Talbot, Deputy Director of the Immigration Hub, an advocacy organization, acknowledged that at least the decision covers individuals who have been living and working in the United States for decades. It's important to note that while the Department of Homeland Security extended the protection for 18 months for each group, the expiration dates will vary in 2025 due to the differing original designation dates. Salvadorans, the, large, the largest group with nearly 240,000 individuals under provisional status, must have been in the United States since February 13, 2001, following the devastating earthquakes in their country. Hondurans and Nicaraguans must have resided in the country since December 30, 1998, after Hurricane Mitch, and Nepalese since June 24, 2015, following an earthquake in their homeland. The decision to extend work permits provides a measure of stability and con continuity for those individuals living under temporary protected status, allowing them to continue con contributing to their communities and the U.S. economy. Number three. Wearing a pair of white cloth gloves, Matthias Weniger delicately raised a tarnished silver candle holder, searching for a yellowed sticker on its base. This candlestick is among the 111 silver artifacts housed at the Bavarian National Museum that were looted by the Nazis from Jewish families during the Third Reich in 1939. During this time, German Jews were compelled to surrender their personal silver items to pawn shops across the Reich as part of a series of laws that designed to demean, punish, and marginalize them. The anti-Jewish discrimination and persecution that began in 1933 after the Nazis came to power in Germany ultimately culminated in the Holocaust resulting in the murder of 6 million European Jews and countless other before the end of World War II in 1945. As a curator at the Munich Museum and responsible for its restitution efforts, Weniger has, has made it his mission to reunite as many of the silver objects as possible with the descendants of their original owners. These silver objects surrendered at the pawn shops are often the sole material remnants of lives eradicated during the Holocaust. Weniger shared during an interview with the Associated Press at the museum's workshop, where he showcased several silver items still awaiting restitution. Therefore, he said, it is truly important to attempt to locate the families and return the objects to them. Thousands of deceased pieces were melted down and turned into approximately 135 tons of silver, which were utilized to support Germany's war efforts. However, various museums ended up with numerous silver items, including candlesticks for lighting Shabbos candles, Bechers and Kiddush cups for blessing wine, silver spoons, and even cake servers. Some of these items were returned to Holocaust survivors in the 1950s and 1960s if they actively sought to reclaim their stolen possessions. However, many owners perished in the Holocaust, while others, if they managed to escape the Nazis, scattered to distant, distant corners of the world and just simply forgot about them. Two-thirds of the last owners did not survive the Shoah, Weniger stated. Despite the odds stacked against him through meticulous detective work, unwavering dedication, and a profound understanding, understanding of history, Weniger has thus far succeeded in returning around 50 objects to the family members and relatives of the original owners. He firmly believes that by the end of this year, 
he may be able to restore nearly all of the remaining objects to their rightful heirs. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio, and have a great day.